It is nearly 12 o'clock and time for the KMXT Midday Report. Thank you for listening to KMXT on 100.1 FM. It is your public radio station from beautiful downtown Kodiak, Alaska, where we are experiencing fair skies, 37 degrees. Out at the airport, they are showing 93% humidity, west winds to 3 miles per hour, and 10 miles of visibility. The Weather Service is calling for sunny skies for today and tomorrow. It is certainly a beautiful day. We're looking for a high of 41 today, west winds to 10, becoming southerly this afternoon. For tonight, mostly clear skies, lower around 34, south winds to 10. And for tomorrow, sunny skies, high near 38, west winds to 5, becoming completely calm tomorrow afternoon. Coming up on the Midday Report, the Kodiak Crab Fleet continues to stand down. Governor Mike Dunleavy has laid out his legislative priorities in the State of the State speech. Those stories and more after National Headlines. Live from NPR News, I'm Lakshmi Singh. The U.S. is sending 31 Abrams tanks to Ukraine. NPR's Asma Khalid reports President Biden made the announcement this afternoon as Russia's invasion of Ukraine approaches its first anniversary. This decision to send Abrams tanks is a policy reversal. Officials had previously suggested the tanks would be too complex to maintain. But this announcement comes in consultation with European allies and specifically in conjunction with Germany's decision to send tanks of its own. The president insists the tanks are meant to help Ukrainians hold on to their territory. That's what this is about, helping Ukraine defend and protect Ukrainian land. It is not an offensive threat to Russia. Biden also reiterated the United States' support for Ukraine and for freedom broadly. We're not going to allow one nation to steal a neighbor's territory by force. Asma Khalid, NPR News, the White House. The man accused of killing seven people at two agricultural facilities in Half Moon Bay on Monday is expected to be arraigned this hour on charges that are expected to include murder and attempted murder for mass shootings in the Northern California community. The carnage was part of a series of gun violence in the state since Saturday when another gunman took 11 lives during Lunar New Year celebrations in Monterey Park before he took his own life. Marisa Lagos with member station KQED describes the emotional toll and anger expressed by many gun control advocates, including Governor Gavin Newsom, who visited Half Moon Bay yesterday. Here in California, which is a deeply blue state where we have some of the strictest gun control laws in the nation, in particular the the Bay Area, Half Moon Bay, I actually think his anger um, and that of many other Democratic officials who spoke yesterday was well received. I mean, I think there is a lot of anger. We've seen a lot of the state's laws being hollowed out. Out by court decisions in recent years. KQED's Marisa Lagos reporting. The new bivalent COVID-19 vaccines that target Omicron appear to protect people against the latest Omicron subvariants. That's according to new research released today by the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention. More from NPR's Rob Stein. The CDC says the new research provides the first estimate of how well the updated boosters protect people against the latest subvariants, known as XBB. 
The CDC says a study involving more than 13,000 people found the boosters appear to protect people about as well against the XBB subvariants as against earlier strains. Food and Drug Administration advisors Thursday will debate whether to continue to update the vaccines to try to match the latest variants. Some experts argue it would be better to develop next-generation vaccines and get more of the unvaccinated vaccinated. Rob Stein, NPR News. U.S. stocks end the day mixed. The Dow was up nine points, settling at 33,743. The Nasdaq was down 20 points. S&P was down slightly. This is NPR News. Ang NPR Balita ay hatid sa inyo ng Providence Kodiak Island Counseling Center. Para sa kaukulang impormasyon tungkol sa aming mga serbisyo, tumawag lamang sa 481-2400. For KMXT, I'm Terry Haynes. Crabbers in Kodiak still haven't come to an agreement with the island's canneries on prices for this year's harvest. And this weekend, the fleet voted again to continue standing down, with no plans to meet again until they get a better offer from the processors. KMXT's Kirsten Dobroth has this update on what comes next. The boat harbors in Kodiak are still full, nearly two weeks after the area's tanner crab season was set to begin. Kodiak's fleet voted down an offer from local processors for $3.25 per pound for tanners on Friday. Canneries had initially offered $2.50 per pound ahead of the season. And Sunday night, crabbers voted to press pause on the season altogether until they get a price from canneries they think is fair. Kevin Abina is the secretary and treasurer for the Kodiak Crab Alliance Cooperative, which represents permit holders in the fishery. We all thought we were going to be fishing, but we all understand why we aren't fishing. So we're just... uh... We're just waiting. However, crabbers in Chignik and the South Peninsula have started fishing. That fleet is about half the size of Kodiak's Tanner fleet at 65 registered vessels. They came to an agreement with processors in King Cove for $3.25 per pound, plus profit sharing, which bumps up the final payout to fishermen depending on the wholesale price of the crab. But that's a sticking point for crabbers in Kodiak. They haven't been offered profit sharing or more than $3.25 per pound from local canneries and say the flat rate still isn't enough to go fishing. Nearly 130 vessels are registered for Kodiak's tanner crab fishery, which has the bulk of this year's harvest, too. Abina says Kodiak's fleet has continued to stay united in their resolve to hold out for a better price. Honestly, across the country in the fishing industries, it's so hard to to keep something like this together. I think it only happens when when uh, when such a bad initial price is, is started out with from processors, and in our situation, from four separate processors. Kodiak processors have not commented on the ongoing price dispute. Abina and his crew and others in the fleet have started preparing for other seasons that have either already started or will start soon. He says some will head out for cod season, which started at the beginning of the year, but tanners are still the top priority. They 100% have the mentality that as soon as they get word that we're going to settle on something, that they are going to stack their gear on, bring it back to town, and put the other pots on and, and go out uh, tanner crabbing. Kodiak's tanner crab fishery closes at the end of March. Meantime, Abina says the crabs aren't going anywhere before then. In Kodiak, I'm Kirsten Dobrath. In his annual address to the Alaska legislature, Governor Mike Dunleavy identified successes from his first four-year term in office and called for action on a list of administrative priorities, the Alaska Beacon reported. That includes more funding for a statehood defense program 
that has launched a series of lawsuits against the federal government. Speaking Monday night at the state capitol in Juneau, the governor also said he will work with legislators to make Alaska, quote, the most pro-life state in the entire country, close quote. Like many of you, I happen to like people. And more importantly, we need more people in Alaska, not less. Doing so, he said, would require affordable housing, improvements to education, economic opportunity, and quality of life. Dunleavy also said it would be important to consider life, quote, from the moment of conception on, close quote. He did not include a firm proposal for meeting those goals. Legislators generally praised his speech, saying that they are optimistic that the governor's second term will mark a change from the administration's often combative relations with the legislature in his last four years. Shortly before the governor's speech, a hundred-strong rally outside the state capitol urged Dunleavy and lawmakers to increase the state's per-student education funding formula. Education funding is expected to appear frequently in this year's legislative session, but the governor's speech did not mention it. Meanwhile, one of the administration's biggest pushes is the expansion of its statehood defense initiative, which funds lawsuits against the federal government. When federal agencies are clearly wrong, when they're misinterpreting the Statehood Act, ANILCA, or all other laws governing our relationship with the federal government, we have an obligation to stop them. The administration has already requested and received millions of dollars that it has used for lawsuits on a variety of topics, including resource development. The governor's newest budget requests $10 million more for the effort. After some especially rainy years across southeast Alaska, climate scientists are thinking about drought. In a new report, state and federal researchers examine the impacts of a drought that hit the region between 2016 and 2019, how it was different from past droughts, and what current climate change projections have in store. KTOO's Anna Canny has more. The fall of 2016 ushered in a historic drought for southeast Alaska. Hot, dry summers wreaked havoc on subsistence food, fisheries, and forest health. Communities that rely on heavy rainfall for water supplies and hydropower struggled. Some placed restrictions on water usage. Others had to rely on diesel generators to keep the lights on. Dry spells in the southeast are not uncommon, but the period from 2016 to 2019 was unique. It was a warm, dry drought. And that is very different than the droughts from the 50s, from the 70s, um, even into the in most of the, the early 80s drought, they were cold, dry droughts. And that matters a lot in the summer. That's Rick Toman, climate specialist with the University of Alaska Fairbanks. Climate models predict that southeast Alaska may get up to six degrees warmer by 2050. That's a big deal because higher temperatures cause more evaporation. Lakes, streams, plants and soil dry out faster, which threatens ecosystem health and increases the risk of wildfires. Higher temperatures can also decrease mountain snowpack, which can negatively impact fisheries and freshwater supplies. In short, hotter droughts could be more damaging. And some research shows that climate change could create more distinct wet and dry seasons in southeast. Wetter winters and short, hot, extreme dry periods in the summer. So, yeah, you might get 160 inches of rain for the year in, in Ketchikan, but if you only get five inches between June and August, that's going to be a drought for the Tongass. With climate change, the region is getting wetter, too. 
But that won't necessarily mean fewer droughts, says meteorologist Andy Howell, another author on the paper. He emphasized that the next drought could happen at any time. Like here we are in January, you know, the rain could shut off and go back to the levels that we had during, say, 2017 or 2018. And then you're really going to care about a drought. But the thing is, you usually don't care about something unless you're actually in it. Howell says that this time around, he hopes that communities in Southeast will think about drought ahead of time by improving water storage, supplementing hydropower, and increasing awareness around water conservation. In Juneau, I'm Anna Canny. Educators, students, and parents gathered on the steps of the Alaska State Capitol on Monday night to call for more education funding. KTOO's Katie Anastas reports. Students waving brightly colored signs stand at the front of the crowd outside the Capitol building. Eighth grader Indy Eckerson says he's feeling the effects of a statewide teacher shortage. I think our classes are very, way too crowded. Like just, we have too many people. I mean, it's fun, but it gets a little too crazy and then you can't really learn. Tom Claymeyer is president of NEA Alaska, a statewide union of public school employees. He says state funding is at the root of stalled negotiations with teachers unions across the state. Districts want to hire the best and the brightest for the students. They want to offer competitive wage and benefit packages. They're going to attract and retain the best employees. They want to fill vacancies. They want to provide solid health care benefits. And they don't want to cut programs and shutter schools. But they're stuck between a rock and the BSA. The BSA, or base student allocation, is the amount of money per student school districts get from the state. It hasn't increased substantially since 2017. Last year, the state approved a $30 increase that goes into effect in July. But school leaders like Juno Superintendent Bridget Weiss say it's not enough to keep up with rising inflation. We are meeting increased needs with fewer resources every single day. When does the legislature get held accountable for putting us in this impossible situation by not fully funding one of the very most vital aspects of our Alaskan communities? That's not the only challenge legislators hope to address this session. Juno Senator Jesse Keel introduced a bill to give teachers the option to pay into a pension. 1086, let's call it $1,100 on the base student allocation. That's a lot of money. That's about $220 million. Are our kids worth it? You bet they are. I've got your first 15 or 20 million because pensions cost less than the system we have today for retirement. Toward the end of the rally, Zonta Kahini Middle School music teacher Mike Busey led the group in a song. He says he's hopeful the legislature will substantially increase school funding this year and that reading and math scores will rise along with it. Education built the nation, increase the base student allocation, pass this legislative test and give our kids the best. In Juneau, I'm Katie Anastas. Anchorage Mayor Dave Bronson remained silent Tuesday night about a slew of allegations made against his administration. 
The assembly had its first regular meeting on Tuesday night since ousted municipal manager Amy Dembosky issued a scathing letter alleging unethical and unlawful actions by Bronson's team. But Bronson did not bring that up during his brief remarks to the assembly. In her report, Assembly Chair Suzanne LaFrance asked him to address his, the claims as well as to address the investigation of Health Director Joe Jarras who resigned last year before reporting revealed his fraudulent resume. Since this issue is so serious, I wanted to extend to you an opportunity for a moment of privilege to respond to our community regarding the growing concerns of financial and employment mismanagement, as well as the results of the jury's investigation. If you would like to speak to that now, the floor is yours. Bronson told LaFrance that by law the city cannot divulge human resource records. He did not comment on the allegations in the Dembosky letter. LaFrance told Bronson he has a standing invitation to address the claims. Meanwhile, the city announced another leadership shakeup on Tuesday. Acting Municipal Attorney Blair Christensen is resigning, and her last day is February 8th. City officials said she was leaving to pursue another job opportunity. The Bristol Bay Native Corporation is offering free online classes for people starting to learn the region's native languages. The series started at the beginning of this month, and people can also sign up for song and dance classes. KDLG's Izzy Ross spoke to a few of the instructors and has this report. Utkuk Michelle Elutzik Snyder helps teach basic Yuchtun, or Yupik, including introductions. Jamai. Paulutka Anamkun, George Lutzik Lukahmulhook, Maulutka Anamkun, Atkakmina Paul Ilutzik Duremulhook, Anaka Akhnakas Lutzikalaknakmulhook, Atashka Amun David Snyder, Connecticut Akmulhook, Winga Atkuho, Adusauho, Polinaho, Akasatun, Michelle Ilzik Snyder, Aroma. The Zoom classes are thirty minutes, once a week, and are open to anyone. They are part of the Bristol Bay Native Corporation's online language sessions, which are also held in Dina Inna and were held in Alutik earlier this month. Elutzik Snyder says the classes are important because each language reflects a distinct culture and worldview. Language is so connected to identity, that positive sense of identity for people, and the language really reflects, you know, the places that we come from and our ancestors. The class series started at the beginning of this month. Elutzik Snyder, who's from Dillingham and Deleknigik, says the first Yuchtun class was a hit, with 35 separate logins. We had some schools and classrooms joining us. We had some people just wanting to learn a little bit of Yupik who aren't from the region, but live in Alaska and kind of want to, you know, respect the places that they're at and learn a little bit of the language. We've heard, too, from those that maybe grew up hearing the language and can maybe understand or have a little bit of that background but aren't able to hold full conversations. She says that while virtual classes can be a challenge, they're a way for people to both learn and practice with others across the state. And that's essential to giving people access to the language and a support network to learn it. It's been such a struggle for me to learn Yupik. Um, I feel like the students in our region should be able to learn in the language of the region and should have that opportunity to grow up hearing the language. 
you know, it shouldn't require those of us to learn our heritage language, the language of the places that we grew up to spend 800 plus dollars to take a university class to learn our own language. She says the classes are just the beginning and revitalization needs to be a community effort. From schools, community, different regional entities, local entities to really revitalize and say, you know, our languages are important and our students should be able to learn in the language of the place and in their heritage language. Elitzik Snyder hopes after this series of classes ends, the momentum to learn Yupik continues. You can find out more on BBNC's Facebook page. In Dillingham, I'm Izzy Ross. Today's KMXT Local News is brought to you in part by Discover Kodiak, a one-stop source for visitor information on Kodiak and other destinations around the state. On the web at Kodiak.org and at the Visitor Center in the Ferry Terminal Building at 100 Marine Way, 486-4782. Gas prices are rising again. I'm Nova Safo with a Marketplace Minute. It's an unusual time of year for rising gas prices, but they are up. There are unplanned refinery outages around the country, including a fire at a Louisiana plant. Americans are also driving more thanks to mild weather. AAA says gas prices rose about 40 cents in a month. Boeing lost nearly $700 million in its last quarter despite better sales. The company said it faced abnormal costs and continued to struggle with supply chain problems. Not much detail from the New York Stock Exchange on the technical glitch that resulted in thousands of erroneous trades yesterday. The exchange says the problem was caused by manual error in its systems. I'm Novasapo with a Marketplace Minute. It's a tough time, but each of us can make a difference in the lives of Alaskans. All you have to do is give via pick, click, give by supporting Alaska's nonprofits when you apply for your PFD. You aren't just donating, you're giving more opportunity, more hope more chances. You're changing the lives of Alaskans with the click of a button. Don't forget to pick, click, give when you fill out your PFD application this year. This is the Island Messenger, a look at personal messages, the weather, and community announcements. Good afternoon and welcome to your Island Messenger for Wednesday. It is the 25th day of January, the year 2023. Sun rose today at 925. It will set again at 518. That will give us 7 hours and 53 minutes of glorious daylight. A gain of 4 minutes and 3 seconds compared to yesterday. A record high for this date was 50 degrees, set in 1950. And our record low is minus 3, set in 1947. And we are closer to the high. It's rocketed up to 42 degrees. Out at the airport, they are seeing fair skies, 73% humidity, southerly winds to 9 miles per hour, and 10 full miles of visibility. The Weather Service is calling for sunny skies for today and tomorrow. We've already gone past our predicted high of 41 West winds to 10, becoming southerly tonight. Mostly clear skies tonight with a low of 34. South winds to 10. 
and sunny skies tomorrow, high of 38. Southwest winds to 5, becoming completely calm tomorrow afternoon. Looking at our local tides, we have an incoming tide. Our next tide here on the east side will happen at 421 this afternoon and be 9 feet, followed by a low tide at 1043 of minus 8 tenths. Over on the west side, your high tide will happen at 4.53 this afternoon and be 14.4 feet in Larson Bay. That'll be followed by a low tide at 11.19 this evening of minus 9 tenths. Mariners, here's your forecast for Marmot Island to Sitkanak, Kodiak's east side. Small craft advisory through tomorrow. Southwest winds to 25 knots and seas to 12 feet today and tonight. For tomorrow, southwest winds to 20 knots, seas to 10 feet. And for Thursday night, southwest 15, seas to 8 feet. Over in the Shelikoff Strait, small craft advisory through tonight. Southwest winds increasing to 25 knots today, seas building to 8 feet this afternoon. For tonight, southwest 30, seas to 9 feet. And for tomorrow on our west side, west winds to 20 knots and seas to 4 feet. For Thursday night, southwest 15 Seas to four feet. The Kodiak Wildlife Refuge is hosting a nature journaling night. It's free for adults, teens, and youth with adult supervision. Stop by any time between 4 and 6 tomorrow at the Kodiak Wildlife Refuge Visitor Center. You can bring your own supplies or use provided supplies, and the theme will be creating snow imagery with watercolors. So pretty cool theme. That's between 4 and 6 p.m. tomorrow at the Kodiak Wildlife Refuge Visitor Center. No experience is necessary. Also, the Kodiak Refuge Salmon Camp Registration Lottery is open. Kodiak Wildlife Refuge will be having summer science camps for students going into kindergarten through 8th grade. Find registration packets on the Kodiak Refuge website or stop by the Visitor Center. Packets are available at the front door or inside during open hours, which is Wednesday through Friday, 12 p.m. to 4 p.m. So they're open right now. The deadline to enter the lottery is March 31st. And as far as we know, the Kodiak Senior Center is still in need of paper bags. Please bring your clean, untorn paper bags to the Senior Center for their home-delivered lunch and pickup meal services. Kodiak City Council will be holding a regular council meeting tomorrow at 7.30 p.m. That will be happening at the Kodiak Public Library. The meeting is open to the public, and public members are also encouraged to tune in right here at KMXT on 100.1 FM. The meeting will also be web-streamed, and that link, as well as meeting packets, are available online at the City of Kodiak website. For any more information, contact the City Clerk at 907 486 8636. The following are upcoming Kodiak Island Borough public meetings. On Thursday, January 26th, Fire Protection Area Number 1 will be having a board work session at the Bayside Fire Hall. That's happening at 6 p.m. Also on January 26th, the Assembly will be having a work session in the Borough Assembly Chambers at 6.30 p.m. On Tuesday, January 31st, the Assembly will be having a special meeting in the Borough Assembly Chambers at 11.30 a.m. And on Wednesday, February 1st, 
The Assembly will be having a special meeting in the Borough Assembly Chambers at 12.15 p.m. And the Assembly will be having a regular meeting on February 2nd at 6.30 p.m. in the Borough Assembly Chambers. These meetings are open to the public, and the meeting packets are available on the Kodiak Island Borough website. Contact the Borough Clerk's Office at 907-486-9310 with any questions. Assembly meetings are live-streamed on the Kodiak Island Borough YouTube channel. Subscribe to get live-stream notifications. The University of Alaska Fairbanks Geophysical Institute is hosting free public talks on a variety of fascinating subjects, including tracking space debris, fostering education using the outdoors, new techniques for understanding the aurora, the 1964 Great Alaska Earthquake, and climate change and its effects on Alaska's wildlife. The 2023 Science for Alaska Lecture Series will begin Tuesday, February 7th, and runs every Tuesday through March 7th. Talks start at 7 p.m. They are being held in person on the Schleibe Auditorium on campus at UAF, but they're also being held via Zoom, and they're going to be live-streamed through the Geophysical Institute's Facebook page. So you can either go to the Geophysical Institute's Facebook page or live-stream it via Zoom, and for the link to register for Zoom participation, you need to call Rod Boyce at 907-474-7185. That's R.C. Boyce, B-O-Y-C-E, at alaska.edu for email. And the subjects include February 7th, Detecting Space Debris Bullets, February 14th, Inspiring Girls, Expeditions Alaska, Teaching Science and Art with Nature's Guidance. And February 21st, Satellites to Cell Phones, New Ways of Understanding the Aurora. February 28th will be Plate to Plate, The Rupture of the Great Alaska Earthquake. And on March 7th, Gnawing and Thawing, Beavers and Rapid Change in Northwest Alaska. Again, the phone number for that Zoom link is... 907-474-7185. The Alaska Business Development Center will be providing in-person tax preparation again in many villages throughout rural Alaska. If you do live in rural Alaska, don't send in your tax documents to ABDC yet. There's a good reason their preparers are coming out to you. To stay updated on whether ABDC is preparing taxes in your community, visit their website at www abdc.org Listen for the Island Messenger here on Public Radio KMXT three times a day Monday through Friday at 9 a.m. during the midday report at 12.20 and in the evening at 7 o'clock if you have a community announcement or personal message, including lost and found items or pets, you can call KMXT at 486-3181, fax us at 486-2733, or email psa at kmxt.org. <laughs> 